0: Well, if you open up your Bible in Romans, chapter uh, eight, please. Remember, our, our big theme this weekend is living in a broken world. What help does God give us in His Word so that we might live out uh, our Christian lives in a broken world uh, with realism, enthusiasm, encouragement? And we're going to read just now from Romans chapter 8, from verse 26. Okay, Romans 8, 26. Let's let's just hear God's word together. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. For he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Well, it's a wonderful paragraph in the Bible, and it would take us about six months to really unfold all of it. Uh, what I'm going to try and do in half an hour is to give you the general gist of it, and to see how it applies to our lives a little. Uh, the title of this, as you see in the little, ha- little handouts, Help uh, for Right Now, and that's where we left off, if you remember. Well, those of you who are a little older, I'm sure you'll agree with me that you only have to live long enough Before you are confronted with experiences and situations in life that leave you numb, uh, speechless, shocked and not even knowing what to ask God about for that situation. You find those situations? can happen very quickly, they can break in and you're just so bamboozled by it you don't even know what to pray about. Um, I've had a number of situations in my life I've over the years. Uh, things that leave you utterly speechless. So, how are we ever going to live amongst those moments? Um, how are we ever keep, going to keep on living the Christian life and not uh, totally unravel amidst those circumstances? Um, we could even make a bigger question around it how actually are we going to keep on going being Christians when the things that we most feared happening actually happen? Uh, Romans chapter 8 is to assure. A Christian that they're going to make it to the end. Uh, Some of you are old enough to remember. I wasn't even the music is in my head now. It was a program on a Saturday night, um, gladiator type thing, and uh, it was called Gladiators. It was a series of co- a competition. I used to love watching it, and uh, the bit I loved watching most of all was this big, uh, long, padded, uh, inflatable channel way. And basically, you had to get along this without some big bloke hammering the head off you with various implements. And I thought, it's been like a Christian life, actually. That um, all sorts of attack come come at us, and they're trying to knock us out of getting towards the finish line. Uh, and Chapter 8 of Romans is to help the Christian see: if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to get to the finish line. Uh, it's really about assurance how we can be sure of making it to the end and the Apostle Paul in verses 18 to 25 has given us help for getting to the end and he said look you're going to get to the end because there's something wonderful at the end and because the Holy Spirit lives within you, maybe I didn't emphasize this enough this morning because the Holy Spirit lives within you, you can be sure of your destiny the destiny of the very angels of heaven marveling at the glory that there will that be in you. So that's our hope for the future. And that helps us keep going in the Christian life. But as we ended off this morning, uh, well, what about right now? What about right now? And that's what we're looking at uh, just now this evening. There's help also for right now. We not only hope for the future as followers of Jesus Christ, but with help for right now. So, this is to help us from the circumstances of life seem so utterly unbearable. We don't only have to lift our eyes and look to the future. We are to do that, but this paragraph is actually telling us that as well as doing that, as well as lifting our eyes, we've got to look around us and experience the help of God now. So these are two things that we've learned today. Um, we're going to get to the end if we're true followers of Jesus Christ Uh, The Holy Spirit lives in us and because of that we've got the sure and certain hope of the future glory and now we're seeing that there's help for right now. And the three things we're looking at this afternoon and the help for right now should fill you with utter confidence and encouragement of your Christian. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you, that's in verses 26 and 27. God is working everything for your good and God is a rock solid plan for your life. So That's what's true of every one of you, whether you've been a Christian for a short time or a Christian for so long now you can't even remember how long you've been a Christian. Here are three wonderful truths for you to remember and to reflect on that there's help for now and tomorrow and every day of the race. So let's break up the help a little bit. Let's think about it. Let's take it into our lives. First help for right now is that God the Holy Spirit he intercedes for you am going to try and figure out a little bit about what that means our paragraph begins likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness he's already told us in the previous paragraph that the spirit lives within us and because he's living within us the future glory is guaranteed and now he's telling us something more about the spirit likewise so also he says the spirit is not only living in you and because of that, you're sure of the future. But likewise, the Spirit is doing something else. Before we see what he's doing uh, and what his what is support involves, he's telling the Christian the support at hand. Look where he tells us that the Spirit of God comes to give us support. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Okay? So you've got to think for a little moment, well, what does that mean for my life? When Paul uses the word weakness, it's a bit like what we saw this morning in our sufferings. It's a catch-all term at one level. It's a very comprehensive term. Our weaknesses. Well, we've got loads of them, haven't we? Uh, We've got these uh, weak bodies that we live in. Have you ever thought about that? Especially young ones. Do you know that you'll sleep sleep a third of your life? Uh, If you live to your 90, you're going to have slept for 30 years. Uh, You probably sleep a lot longer than that now. Your minister, he sleeps even longer than that. He took a wee nap this afternoon. He's really weak. Um, I did as well, actually. (laughs) Um, I think God designed us that way, actually, so that we would realize every day when we're getting up out of our pit and rubbing the sleep out of our eyes, we're not very strong people. We actually have to be semi conscious for a third of our lives. So we're weak uh, physically. we don't have to live very long to realise that these bodies that we live in are pretty weak The uh, young ones look pretty strong for you now but uh, you're going to show, uh, your body too is going to show the signs and terrors of disintegrating soon enough um, Our strength just fast fades um, Our minds, they are full of weakness too aren't they? Um, I used to be able to say my times tables, I might be able to get about to the four times tables now um, our minds just get weaker and weaker the longer we live. Some of us have mental and emotional weaknesses. That's the way we are. That's part of the breakages in our lives. Uh, we we just can't cope with things maybe the way others can. That's part of our weakness. Uh, some of us in our emotional weakness can manage to worry ourselves sick. Not one of your weaknesses. Some of us in our weaknesses get utterly discouraged. Some of us and our weaknesses, we just we feel in circumstances of our life, you know, I don't know whether I can cope with this much longer. That's part of our physical and mental weaknesses that Paul's talking about here. And then, of course, added to that, I don't want to depress you, we just want to set the scene for this, actually. We're pretty weak. Uh, there's a whole host, a host of our spiritual weaknesses. Uh, Apostle Paul in previous chapters of Romans, he's been outlining all the struggles that the Christian faces. Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter seven, actually, uh, you can almost see him sort of th- shrugging his shoulders. He said, "The very things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing." He's utterly overcome by the weakness of the, uh, because of the sin that remains in our lives. And what Paul is telling us here at the very start of this paragraph, that none of the weaknesses of our lives escapes the attention of the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And he's ready to help, and he's willing to help, and he's the power to help. Now, as well as that very general setting of our weaknesses, the Apostle Paul here actually wants us to zoom in a little bit. And when he's using the term weakness, as well as the big picture, I think he has a very specific meaning in mind. And it's highlighted in the next phrase. Uh, he gives a little connecting word again. Likewise the Spirit helps, in our, helps us in our weakness. Here it comes. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So this is the reason why the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Because many of the weaknesses that we face, they lead to a weakness in our praying. Haven't you found it actually in the situations of your life where you don't actually know what you're to pray for about that situation? So many circumstances that we just don't know what to pray for. We don't know what the right thing is. And what Paul's telling us here is that the Holy Spirit knows those moments and knows those circumstances of our lives. I don't know what your weakness is now that's so overwhelms you at times that you don't, know what, you don't even know what to pray about. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit does. Um, he knows all of those moments. And do remember actually that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus Christ. He is uh, just as tender and gentle and merciful and compassionate as Jesus Christ. He's not going to break a bruised reed. He's not going to uh, snuff out a smouldering wick. So Paul's not just bringing us a promise here. And you need to grasp this about this part of Romans chapter 8. He's not just making us a promise. He's telling us this is the reality right now. So you've got to take that on board now. Right now, in the middle of all your weaknesses, whatever they might be, whatever shade they are, God, the Holy Spirit, is doing something for each follower of Jesus Christ. So it's not just a promise, this is a statement of the reality of now. And you notice that he's not saying that the Holy Spirit he comes along and he he prays that whatever's making us weak will be removed. Look what it says. The Holy Spirit or the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In it. Not in the taking away of it. But right smack bang in it, he's doing that right now. Actually, he's helping you in your weakness. And it's a, it's a very interesting word that Paul uses here for uh, for for um, for help. Uh, he doesn't doesn't make this one well. up. Sometimes Paul makes words up. That's why I sometimes take great liberty in making extra words for the English language. Paul did it, in, when he was writing in Greek. Uh, He doesn't make this one up. It was one that was used in other parts of the scripture. And what he does, the word help, it's a simple word for us. Um, But the word that he uses, he takes a simple word for help and he puts two little bits on the front of it. Uh, It means a a much more wonderful word. It means uh, one of the little bits he sticks on the front of the word help uh, means doing something along with someone. The other little bit he sticks on the front of the word help means that he's it's when someone does something just right opposite or facing us Uh, I was thinking of this again this afternoon when I was playing hockey all those years ago we used to hate the beginning of uh, the the new season Uh, our coach at our club he had a contact in the local uh, army barracks and the army uh, uh, he knew the PT instructor in the army barracks and he would bring out the PT instructor and we used to hate to see the green lorry coming because this burly uh, 6 foot 4 muscle bound man jumped out of it with his squatties on the unloaded half telegraph poles to us pure, little weakling hockey players uh, it would be all right for a big rugby player we were just little hockey players and he would say now this, this half telegraph pole is your friend for the rest of the evening and I always got alongside just one of my colleagues who was just a little bit bigger than I was And I would nestle in right behind him when it came to carrying it on the shoulders. He was right alongside me. And sometimes in the evening we would be asked to face one another in carrying this uh, pole sideways up the pitch. And it's both of those things that Paul has here. Someone who's right alongside you and someone who's right facing you. And he's saying, I'm going to actually carry this for you. Paul says he helps us. Uh, It's the same word that's used in the Gospel when Martha was complaining and appealing to Jesus about uh, her sister. Tell her to come and give me a hand. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes, if I can say it readily, to give us a hand. He helps us in our weaknesses. He sees us buckling. And he comes right alongside. And he very often lifts us and the burden up and carries us along. So if you're a Christian. You don't, need, you don't need to be afraid. Of weaknesses. Whatever they might hold for you in the, in the future. The Holy Spirit is going to help you. And then Paul after that general statement. Um, about the help of the Holy Spirit. He makes it a little bit more specific. He says for we do not. Uh, know what what to pray for as we ought but here it comes this is is the real dimension of the help of the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words so he's now telling us what the actual help involves it involves the interceding we, we can call it praying for To make it a little bit simpler, what the word, uh, when Paul talks here about groaning is too deep for words, it's literally the Holy Spirit intercedes with wordless words. Um, And if you look throughout these paragraphs, we saw last time that the creation is groaning back in the previous paragraph, you'll see it. Uh, We saw that the believer is groaning, and here Paul tells us that not only is the believer and not only creation groaning, but the Holy Spirit, just like creation, he is longing. For the day when the weaknesses of every Christian are going to be set aside and will appear in glory. Now, isn't it an encouraging thing when your minister or somebody else in the church says to you, we know what you're going through and we're praying for you. You feel greatly helped by that, don't you? Well, here's God himself speaking to you today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and he says, I know everything you go through. I know the things that you face that not even your nearest and dearest knows. And I'm guaranteeing you this. I'm interceding with wordless groans. But you might ask, well, what are these wordless groans? Well, if you look down at verse 27, uh, we see what's involved in the Spirit's wordless groans. It tells us in the, in, the, in the latter part of verse 27, it says, The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God now here's the heart of this little bit and you've got to get this Um, in our weaknesses maybe our physical weakness we're so overcome by sickness or inability of our flesh that we often don't know what to pray for and one of the reasons that we sometimes don't know what to pray for is because we simply don't know what the will of God is we don't know if it's God's will that this will go away we don't know if it's God's will that we're going to be, we're going to, when we're going to be uh, facing this the rest of our days we don't know the plan of God so we actually don't know what we should pray for but what about the Holy Spirit does he know the plan of God yes for he is part of the Godhead he's the third part, person of the Godhead and he knows every detail of the will and plan of God for our lives. Okay. When your minister says he's going to pray for you. He doesn't know the will of God for your life. And he pray for the help of God for you in the circumstances of your life. But he doesn't know the will of God. The Holy Spirit is different. He knows the will of God. So that means when he's praying. He is praying everything that needs to be in place in your life and mine. As a child of God. So that we get to the end. Do you get that? Because he knows the will of God, he is able to pray precisely for you and for me every little detail that needs to be set in place so that you keep on going in the Christian life. Now, do you get that? Do you get how that touches down in your life? That means for you as a follower of Jesus Christ that everything that there is in your life Everything that there's been yesterday, everything that has happened today, everything that will happen tomorrow is in place. Has been put in place, is in place now, and will be put in place because the Holy Spirit, with groanings, interceded and prayed in every detail. And because God, uh, who searches the hearts, knows exactly what the Holy Spirit is praying for. He answers because the Holy Spirit is praying the perfect will of God. And that is tremendous. bearing in our lives, everything's put in place for tomorrow. Prayed in by the Holy Spirit to help you on heavenwards because He's interceding by the will of God. Now you've got to think about that for your life. All the challenges that you face tomorrow, all the frustrations that you feel in it, the circumstances have been prayed in very precisely by God the Holy Spirit, not to knock you off course, but so that you will complete the course. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian, isn't it? Isn't it fabulous? Um, you can say to yourself, Christian, God himself has decreed my final salvation. Jesus Christ, uh, the second person of the Godhead, is uh, presenting his finished work before his Father on your behalf. And the Holy Spirit is praying for every unfolding part of the will of God for your life. Is there any chance that you'll not get home to heaven? No. at all. Because you're bound up in this great trinitarian covenant God. So we can rest assured. We can run the race. We can face all the bashes. And we can use all the means of grace that God puts at our disposal. But God is working out everything. And you're going to get home. That's help for now. You're going to get home. Isn't that wonderful? Because the Holy Spirit has prayed everything into place. Now, that comes on very naturally to the second thing that Paul's saying. That's, that would be help enough, wouldn't it? But Paul's telling us something else, and it's the outworking of that in verse 28, one of these great verses of the Bible. So, just thinking where Paul has come from, uh, Paul has said that in this broken world, the believer, because of the Holy Spirit, um, no matter what's going on in our lives, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we're going to get to heaven and to be made glorious. He has made it clear to us in uh, verses 26 and 27 that uh, the Holy Spirit is doing a special work of praying every detail into place. So, what's the obvious conclusion? Well, the obvious conclusion is verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, do you see what that means for your life? It means that there's nothing random about your life. Just look at the words. Uh, For those who love God, that's if you're a Christian, you've come to know and love God. You've come to see the wonders of the gospel. You've called on Jesus Christ to be your savior. Paul says... That all things work together for good. There's nothing random. There's never a chance happening in your life. There are no accidents. You know that bit when you're when you're phoning up? Johnny, you have to keep your ears closed for a minute. You're an insurance man. Um, uh, you know that bit when you're on the phone to the in, in insurance people and the broker's asking you... Um, uh, have you, but you're trying to renew your car insurance, and the broker's asking, "Have you had any accidents in the last whatever it is, three years or five years?" And I'm sort of pondering, "As if I had any accidents? Well, you know, actually, I haven't had any accidents. I've had some incidents, some incidents that, in the sovereignty of God, have been put into place in my past. No accidents." I don't tell of I don't get at all of this, but I'm thinking this in my head. I haven't had any accidents. You haven't had any either. Not one accident. Lots of incidents And you thought, "I wish I didn't have this," because my insurance premiums are the, up the top of the scale now. No accidents, but lots of incidents. And Paul says that all things work together for good. Uh, the word that he uses for good here means something that's a real deep-seated good. Something that's of usefulness to us. Something that's of ultimate benefit to us. Now, don't misunderstand Paul here. He's not saying that when the difficult things of life happen to us, we're to put on some sickly sort of smile and be a moron and say, this is really wonderful. I'm so glad this is happening. I'm not saying that. Um, our broken world is full of horrible Difficult things that are painful for us. Um, sometimes people misunderstand this verse, not by thinking you put it on a cheesy, cheesy grin and say, "Oh, it's just wonderful to be a Christian. I don't mind this happening to me." Not saying that. Uh, other people, sort of, I've heard this verse misrepresented. Oh, something bad's happened to you. Don't you worry. Something good's just around the corner. You come across that? That's absolute poppycock, actually. That. I find I meet Christians and. Uh, the catalogue of their life has been one difficult thing after another every corner of life they turn so don't think that this is what God's word saying here you've had a few hard things but don't worry you're going to have some really good things coming that will put a smile on your face he's not saying that um, you think of Job in the Bible You know, one bad thing happens some of these Modern-day professing Christians who mis- misinterpret this, who come and say, "Well, don't worry, Job lost your wife today, lost your family. Today. Don't worry, something good's coming." This verse is much deeper than that. What's the good? What does it mean by that? Well, look at look at what Paul says here. He expands what the good is at the end of the verse, doesn't he? We know that and all uh, that. For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, that's the good good thing is the purpose of God and if you look at the very next verse Paul goes on to explain what the purpose of God is for our lives he says there in verse uh, uh, 29 for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of God that's the good that God has in mind for every single Christian a transformation uh, a total change Being conformed to the image of God's Son. So, when you look at this verse, uh, it's not God giving you a sort of blank checkbook of an easy life. He's saying rather that everything that comes to pass in your life is for this ultimate good for you one day to be glorious. Um, Everything that's happening, God is weaving these things together for this end point. That you get to heaven and that you will like his son. It's a wonderful verse, isn't it? We know that for those who love God, all things. Why don't you just just stop for a moment and you look at that word. It's just got three letters. All. All things. He doesn't put any sort of caveat on this and say, well, you know, just some things or just a little group of things. And you can be sure God will work these for good. All things. It means what it says. It means everything. God says he'll work together for good. For our ultimate good. For our transformation into the image of Jesus Christ. All the ups of your life and all the downs of your life for good. For the ultimate good of your life. Not to put a smile on your face but for your ultimate transformation into the image of Jesus Christ all our sickness all our suffering designed for this final purpose everything this the experience of your life being that um, you've got something in your past of something that someone did to you it was years ago but you still think about it and you're still riled by it and you're still annoyed by it. Well, you need to hear this verse. This is what God says. But even those broken aspects of our lives, God has put in has put in place for our ultimate good. Oh, yes, those who have wronged us, they're responsible and accountable to God, but God has put them to shape us and mould us. I sometimes make Christians and their prisoners of their past. It's a terrible way to live our lives. This verse is God's key to unlock the chains of our past. There were no accidents, but there were incidents that God and His sovereignty put in place to change us into the image of Jesus Christ. Every frustration, every heartache, every pain. Not to knock us off, but to shape us and mold us. All things, actually, our mistakes, are mess. Made any messes? Catalogue of them. All things, God says, He will weave together for the ultimate good of those who love Jesus Christ. That's everything. My messes. I used to love when I was um, some of the boys and girls I used to watch on a Saturday night was the Roth Harris show. Remember his wobbly board? Did you do? Some of you old enough remember that? Young one, sorry. Um, but uh, I loved that bit in his programme where he had this big blank canvas on the wall, and he took maybe a sponge and just put a few big splats all over a lovely white canvas. Just thought, what a mess! And then, very wonderfully, he would take his other massive paintbrushes I couldn't figure out I ever did this and he would begin to put on the brush strokes after a while he could begin to see there was something actually happening here until eventually it was all finished it was often in the self-portrait that he was doing and you thought that started off with him making a mess but he worked it for good now I don't know about your life but I know about my life I have put some pretty major splodges on the canvas is that it No, this verse says to us that all things he works together for our ultimate good he is the master painter and can paint around and paint in the splodges of our mess for our ultimate good you think of Peter you remember Peter in the Bible He was a master at putting splodges on. He did them pretty quickly and pretty rashly. I never deny you Jesus. Denied him three times. He was guilty for the splodges but God was in charge of everything and even those splodges that he put on the canvas God weaved for good and became the humble apostle to serve Jesus Christ. And look what Paul says at the beginning of this verse. He says, and we know isn't that a very interesting phrase he says we know that this is what God does how do we know it well we know it from the Bible we read of the story of Joseph we read the story of Esther we read the story of Job and we can see it from black and white that this is how God works we look at the gospel itself look at the story of the life of Jesus Christ the great wicked acts of men and God would weave it for our salvation. So is a help for now? You better believe it. The Spirit of God is interceding. And God in your life, Christian, is working everything for good. And maybe some of you need to go to a quiet place and talk to him about those aspects of your life. That still make you feel very broken and ask him to help you to know that even that he's going to work for your ultimate good in your tears and in your pain then there's a third thing final thing help for right now, Yeah, here's one more God has a rock solid plan remember what Paul's doing here, he's writing to assure us that we're going to get to the ends no matter what comes along the the journey of life, if you're a Christian, you're going to get to the end. The Holy Spirit guarantees that he lives within you. And look at now, uh, it's verses 29 and 30. You can see this plan of God for our lives. Uh, we don't have time to tease it all out, what all of these things mean, but just look at it. Just look at the, the words in Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Do you see what your life is? Your life is somewhere where God is at work. Now, God doesn't work the way that I often take up tasks. I have a little book somewhere on my shelf of little things that I planned to do and started to do and never finished to do. I guess you have some of those as well. Maybe a bag of knitting, ladies. Or a craft class that you started something and it was never finished. Maybe something in the garden, man. You started it and it's never been finished. Um, I think I've been to some of your homes and seen the evidence of that, actually. never finished. Is that how God works no he's a rock solid plan for our lives uh, and what's that what Paul's emphasizing in verses 29 and 30 is that God is at work and he is doing something he foreknew he predestined he called he justified he glorified so he's wanting these Roman Christians to see that that's their assurance of the end is utterly solid Because God is at work. Uh, These uh, uh, points that Paul is making here in this last few verses. Many Christian writers have described as being like massive links in a chain. If you have been down to a dock somewhere where big ships come in. And after they have thrown the rope uh, across to the main line. Very often they pull with the rope a massive chain. And this is a massive five linked chain that God attaches to every Christian. For those whom he foreknew, uh, it really means for those whom God set his choosing love upon it 's a very intimate word. before you existed, Christian, what Paul's saying here is that God himself, knowing everything about you, he set his love in you. Is it going to weigh in? he says he also predestined. That means basically that God, when you became a Christian, God set the coordinates for your life, like even before you became a Christian, right? before the beginning of time. He set the coordinates of your life. He predestined you for something. He set your destiny. You know what your destiny was? and is that you be like Jesus Christ. He set the coordinates. Is it got to change? He tells us he also called. He broke into our lives in a moment and, we, and he partly summoned us to, to be his follower. He said he also justified us. He declared us to be right with God because of what his son had done on the cross. And then he says he also glorified. Oh, hold on. Didn't you say this morning that we were not, not in heaven yet? Paul actually writes it here in the tense, in the past tense, as if it's already, it's so sure it's as if it's already been done. So, can you see the help that you have for right now? Your future is utterly sure. Don't need to be haunted by the past. We've got a glorious future ahead and God has put these links around us. And you should feel them often of what God has done. And you're going to make it to the end. And look, just one, one last thing as we finish. There's actually more here. We could, we could read those wonderful verses, 29 and 30, and think, yeah, isn't it just so wonderful what God has done for us? He's, he's uh, set us love on me. He's predestined me for glory. He's called me. He's justified me. He's glorified me. And you could think, it's all about me. Well, you'd be glad to know, actually, that the gospel is not all about you. We think it is. We think wonderful. Jesus dying on a cross. He's going to forgive me from my sins. That's wonderful. But you know that's not the ultimate aim of the gospel. Look at what these verses say. Read them again. For those whom he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. For what reason? Well here it comes. In order that he. Might be the firstborn among many brothers. Do you see what he's saying here? Paul's saying that the ultimate purpose of salvation is actually not our salvation, but the ultimate purpose of salvation is that Jesus Christ might be the firstborn among many brothers. And the word firstborn there means preeminent. That Jesus Christ might be seen to be in a league of his own, that Jesus Christ might be seen to be top of the pile. That's why he saved you. That his own son would be the firstborn among many brothers. So there's something more profound about our salvation than our salvation. Do you get that? There is something more profound and more important in our salvation than our salvation. The thing that is But it's ultimately more profound. Is that the father loves his son so much. And that the best way that he has of showing his son. His his love and how he is preeminent. Is that he gave to his son a vast number of men and women. And boys and girls out of humanity. And he not only planned to save them. But he did save them. And he will save every last one of them. Why? So that his son. Might be seen as the preeminent one forever and ever and ever. Did you see how it touches down in your life, Christian? Your getting to heaven is linked to the eternal preeminence of the Son of God. So is God going to, is there possibly going to be one voice of that great number that He has saved missing? Is there going to be something left out of the everlasting honor and adoration and admiration and worship of Jesus Christ? Not a chance. God loves his son too much for one of his brothers, his sisters, not to make it home. It's a rock solid plan actually puts this big chain around us, and it is so sure. Because the glory of Jesus Christ is at stake. So, as I said, there's help for right now. The Holy Spirit's interceding for you. God is at work in everything for your good. And God has a rock solid plan for your life. You know, the longer I'm a Christian, the longer I'm so, so sorry for any man and any woman. Or any boy or any girl who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Why would anyone not want a life like that? Something glorious for the future and help for right now. So, whatever the sufferings, whatever the trials, there's a promise for the future and there's help for right now. Let's pray together. Let's keep our seats. Father in heaven, we want to thank you that not only do you give us this great, great and wonderful hope for the future that we'd be so glorious that creation is straining its neck to see what these sons and daughters of God will be, but that you give us help for right now. Oh, Father, thank you that the Holy Spirit, whom you and the Son send out, that he's interceding for us. We thank you, Father, that we can look at all of the moments of our lives, all of the frustrations, all of the heartbreaks and all of the pain, all of the things of our lives that others will bear responsibility before you for. And know that even these, Lord, you've promised that you will work together for our ultimate good we thank you Father for the the relief and the release that that gives to us we thank you for the joy that it engulfs our souls with we thank you for the painful memories that it eases that even these somehow in the wonder of who you are, you will work in our eyes so that we will be conformed to the image of your Son. Thank you, Father, that you have begun a work in us, that you are going to bring to the end, that you have wrapped this massive chain around us, and that every man, woman, boy and girl who has truly loved your Son will get right home because the glory and honour of your Son is at stake so Father will you help us to live with confidence will you help us to live with peace and calm and will you help us to know that we're more more loved than we could ever have dreamt of bless your word to us Lord press it into all the nooks and crannies of our hearts where we have pain and suffering body mind, whatever it may be. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.